When I was a young teenager, I used to love the Indiana Jones films. At that time, there was three of them. Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Since then, there's been a fourth film, and they recently announced that they're releasing a new one next year. I wonder if any of you have seen any of these. If you have, you will know that all the films basically follow the same plot line. The films all begin with the announcement of treasure. Indiana Jones is an archaeologist, and he is soon made aware of the possible whereabouts of some priceless artefact. Usually in the films, this treasure has been missing for centuries and there's great mystery involved as to why and where it was taken. And the treasure is often rare and sometimes it's a source of great power. One thing is for sure, when Indiana hears about it, he immediately leaves his job teaching at the university and heads out around the world to find it. Indiana Jones films are basically a treasure hunt. But as the film gets going, the next element soon gets thrown into the plot line. And this is the element of threat. You see, if there is a treasure of precious value, you are guaranteed to find that there are other people looking for it. In fact, the more a treasure guarantees power and prestige to the one who finds it, the more dangerous that threat becomes. Other people will go to great lengths to prevent Indiana Jones from reaching the treasure. They want to get their hands on it first. And many a time in the film, Indiana has to escape captivity or a perilous situation where he comes within a whisker of losing his life. And this sense of threat is what makes the films the great adventure stories that they are. But there's one final plot element to these films. You have the announcement of treasure. You discover there are going to be threats along the way. Well, the great joy of the film is watching the tactics that Indiana uses to win the day. Sometimes he uses his brain. He thinks. He is, after all, an academic archaeologist. He's got a PhD. PhD. He is Dr. Jones. And in the films, you watch him solving all sorts of complicated clues and riddles. Sometimes he has to take more direct, practical action. He famously carries a whip with which he deters his enemies, sees off snakes, and flies through the trees. Finally, Indiana wisely teams up with a few like-minded helpers. In one film, it's an old flame. In another, it's a close friend. In one, it's even his dad. Sometimes the threat that he faces to get to the treasure is so great, the best tactic he can use is to unite with others and form a team. Two or three people are always stronger than one. So there you have it. I've just relived my childhood. And even if you've never seen an Indiana Jones film, you know exactly the plot. Treasure, threat, tactics. And I can almost guarantee you that the film coming out next year will be exactly the same. So where am I going with all of this? Well, as we return to Paul's letter to the Colossians, as we read the next section of his urgent advice to these young first century Christians going through a crisis, this is exactly the structure he uses. He reminds them of the treasure that they're striving for. It's so good, it will make all their present trials fade into insignificance. 
He opens their eyes to the threat that they face. It's much easier to defeat a foe when you understand what it is and how it's trying to trip you up. And finally, he gives them the tactics that they will need to make it through the persecution that they are facing, to take hold of the good things that God has in store for them. Treasure, threats, tactics. Let's have a look. Paul begins these verses by announcing what the greatest treasure of all life is. Like in the Indiana Jones films, at one stage the treasure was surrounded in mystery, but now its location and worth and power has been made known. The secret has been revealed and can now be found by all. What is this great treasure, the greatest treasure that human beings can ever lay hold of? Well, it's not gold or jewels or a magic scroll full of spells. It's a real person. It's Jesus. Paul wants the Colossians to know that Jesus is the mysterious way in which God has defeated evil and sin, death, devil and hell. All the great enemies of the human race were vanquished by Christ. That is why he's so precious. That is how powerful he is. And this act was at one time a mystery. No one would possibly have guessed that God would defeat all the forces of sin and evil through putting his own son to death on a shameful cross. But that is exactly what happened. That was the truth. And in rising him from the grave three days later, God has shown that this plan has truly worked. And this is what Paul means when he says in verse 2 that he wants his readers to understand the great mystery of God has been revealed, namely Christ. Jesus is now the risen and reigning Lord of all the world. But just look at what he goes on to say next in verse 3. In announcing Jesus to the Colossians and to us today, he says, In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Here then we have it. Treasure. Precious, precious treasure. Paul announces Jesus as the source of all knowledge and wisdom. In other words, he is the centre of the world, the source of all life. Literally everything revolves around him. Nothing makes sense on our planet without Jesus. But if you put him into the picture, you begin to see clearly. So to put it simply, if you want to get to know God, get to know Jesus. If you want to understand your purpose in life, get to know Jesus. If you want to know how to live your life to the very best, get to know Jesus. Jesus is the greatest treasure Jesus is the greatest thing we can ever lay hold of. And he made that possible by first coming to rescue us. You know, so many people in our world today are chasing some magical spiritual experience, some zen-like moment, some utopian high that they think will make their life complete. That's why they do drugs or try yoga or follow new age spirituality. As Christians, we don't come to Jesus hoping that he will give us some magical experience that is the great treasure in life. We come to Jesus because he is 
the great treasure in life. Jesus himself is the most precious, powerful thing that we will ever know. Honestly, Paul says, getting to know Jesus more and more is what life is really all about. And if you set out in life to find him and follow him, one day you will see him face to face. And all the other treasures in the world will be as naught in that moment. And incredibly, that moment will last for eternity. So come on, Colossians of the first century. Come on, Elix of the 21st. The treasure's been revealed. The treasure's been made available. Put everything down and go and take hold of it. We're all to be a bit like Indiana Jones now. However, just as in the films, as soon as Paul has announced the great treasure, he hurtles on to reveal the great threat that lies in the way of us getting it. Hot on the heels of the wonderful verse 3 comes verse 4. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. What was the threat that the Colossians faced in their pursuit of Jesus? Well, it was some arrogant scoundrels trying to throw them off course. False teachers who wanted the people to obey their teaching instead, so they could receive the praise and the adulation of the masses. Like in Indiana Jones, our enemies are those who want to take great power for themselves. So what were the plausible, fine-sounding arguments that the false teachers were using in Colossae to deceive the young Christians? Well, we don't know exactly, but we can well imagine them. You claim this Jesus to be your treasure? How can that be true? How can a man shamefully crucified on a cross possibly be God? And how can Jesus be the only God to treasure? We already have lots of gods residing in the temples across this town. And come on, how can you say Jesus is more important than Caesar? Where's the evidence for that? Caesar's got wealth and armies and great cities to his name. What's this Jesus got? Come on, you surely don't want to follow a jumped up carpenter. You know, we civilised Colossians, we don't follow crazy teaching like this. We're much better than that. Oh, and I'd watch out if I were you. Following this Jesus, it'll get you into trouble. No one will want to know you. You'll lose your family and friends. Come on, be sensible now. Let me tell you what's what. I may even be able to offer you a little bit treasure of my own to make it worth your while. Imagine listening to that sort of argument day after day after day. As a new Christian, you would at first strongly rebuff it, confident in your newfound faith. But slowly but surely, if you are not on your guard, those sorts of comments would begin to wear you down. The arguments would start to sound more and more believable. And your initial zeal for the Lord would begin to ebb away. And to the point where you just blended back into the crowds. You've given up on God's treasure completely. And this is what Paul was so concerned about. This is why he wrote this letter with such passion and such urgency. He knew just what a threat this sort of teaching was. 
I wonder what fine-sounding arguments we might hear today. I wonder what might be the threat to young Christians and young people who are exploring their faith on Isla. Well, what about these? You don't need religion anymore. Science is giving us all the answers to life and where it comes from. Jesus is just a storybook character. You'll get just as much fun from reading Harry Potter. How is the Bible even relevant anymore? We've moved beyond that. Just choose your own truth and be and believe whatever you want. Come on, have you seen the news? This world is doomed. Just eat and drink and enjoy yourself. There's nothing else to go for. You don't have to go to church. You don't have to do all that religious stuff. The best religion is private religion. No one else needs to know. Free up your Sundays. Come out with us. We'll show you a good time. If Jesus is the greatest treasure in life, and he definitely is, then these fine-sounding arguments that we hear so often from our peers are probably the greatest threats we will ever face. The truth is, if we listen to them, we will miss out. The tragedy is that millions of people in the West are doing exactly that. The treasure is real, but so is the threat. This is no adventure film. This is real life. So we have reached a point in the letter where it is very clear that Paul is writing to the Colossians with great concern for them. He knows how perilous their situation is. And through his pen, he's trying to do all that he can to help his readers stave off the threats that they face and stay on course for their treasure. But rather wonderfully, Paul is not downbeat. Yes, the situation in Colossae is difficult, but Paul had reason for hope. You see, while Paul was confined in prison, he'd received a good report from his friend Epaphras. And Epaphras had told Paul that the Colossians were faring well. In verse 5 we read that despite the attack, they'd remained disciplined and firm in their faith. You see, in God's strength, it is possible to stand up to the assaults of evil, all the lies that we're told by the world. And Paul was obviously delighted when he heard this. The letter to the Colossians is not written in an aggressive or condemnatory tone. It's written instead with great kindness and great support. Paul is trying to urge the Colossians on in their efforts. And he's trying to give them some extra advice to aid them in their fight. And this is where we finally get down to tactics. In verses 6 and 7, Paul gives the Colossians some (coughs) tactics that will help them stand firm in their faith. And what he says here is just as relevant to us today. Do you remember that I said in the introduction that sometimes Indiana Jones used his brain and thought a problem through? Sometimes he took practical action and more often than not, he relied on the help of others. Well, just look at what comes next. Because Paul effectively says the same three things. First of all, he tells the Colossians to think. Verses 6 and 7. Just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught. 
Paul's readers are to continue living their lives in Jesus. They are to be rooted in him, strengthened by the good gospel teaching that they have heard. In other words, they are to think logically. When under attack, they are to remember all the evidence that they have for their faith. And there's lots of it. For 2,000 years, people have tried to deny the Bible, and they've never managed to do it. The gospel was written by eyewitnesses. Some of them would have been known by people still alive when Paul wrote this letter. There is more eyewitness evidence for Jesus than for some of Caesar's wars. We would never doubt them, would we? There is evidence that Jesus really lived. There is evidence for the cross. There is evidence for the resurrection. We are to root ourselves in this when people call into question our beliefs. And we're also to think through the experiences that we have had, all the answered prayers, all the many coincidences that when held together show that they were never really coincidences at all. The changes we've witnessed in our life and in the life of others when they've come to know Jesus. The intense moments of worship we've experienced when we've been very aware of God's presence there with us. You see, there is a discipline to faith. We're to keep reading the Bible. We're to keep praying. We're to keep thinking. Because when we're under threat, what we need is more and more of Jesus in our lives. And we make space for him through what we think about. But Paul doesn't want us just to think. He wants us to take some practical action as well. What does he want us to do? Well, this may surprise us a little. He wants us to practice thankfulness just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord continue to live your lives in him rooted and built up in him strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness you see as Christians we are to remain thankful even when we feel under threat and this is because thankfulness keeps our hearts open to God Practicing thankfulness helps us to trust. And this is a habit that we can develop. We wake up in the morning and we say thank you for life and a new day. We sit down to eat a meal. We say thank you for all that we're about to enjoy. Before we go to bed, we reflect and we find something within the day that has just passed to say thank you for. Thankfulness is an action. It's something we actively and deliberately do. And you know what? I reckon if you really think about it, the wisest Christians you know, the ones that are the best examples to you will be the ones who are the most thankful. They have learned to recognise God's goodness in everything. A thankful life is an attractive life. A thankful life is one that brings comfort and joy to others. A thankful life is one that witnesses for God and helps to lead others towards him, even in difficult times. So we're to think through our faith and we're to take the practical action of being thankful. But there is one other tactic that Paul gave in this passage and it came right at the beginning. And with this we shall finish. As Paul continues to introduce himself to his readers, the Colossians that he's never met, he lays out one of his major goals. I want you to know how hard I'm contending for you 
and for all those who've not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love. Paul's great desire is that believers everywhere will be united in love to form one team. Indiana Jones teamed up with old flames and close friends and even his aging father. We have a far bigger team on our side than that. We've got brothers and sisters in every corner of the globe. We saw them in Nepal on that video. We have a church here on Isla that will swing into action to support us when we're going through a trial. They will pray, they will visit, they will volunteer resources. You see, as believers, we're all on the path to the same treasure. We've all been captivated by Jesus. And perhaps the greatest tactic we have alongside thinking through our faith and being thankful is to love each other deeply. Because as a united team, we will stand strong together. Indiana Jones was a great film franchise, but it was all fiction. This is real life. The greatest adventure of all in search of the greatest treasure of all. We're in this together. And in God's strength, one day, we will see Jesus.